The Start On Demand. On demand. We spent a lot of time today talking about kids and sports during COVID-19. Since they can't play organized sports, what do you do to keep them active? Well, we spoke to a Winnipeg mom who keeps the kids active and keeps her son's hockey team connected with weekly Zoom workouts. Also, we spoke to a young basketball player, 12-year-old basketball player, who practices dribbling in his kitchen. And we also speak to his coach. And Winnipeg Dog Park has put up a sign that says no excessive barking. It's a dog park. Dogs bark at dog parks. So we had a chat today about dumb rules and getting in trouble for dumb rules. I'm Brett McGarry alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. And this is the Tuesday, January 12th podcast for The Start. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, thank you very much for joining us this morning on The Start. And we heard Global's Merrick Takash talking about it in Jeff Braun's newscast. But uh, I sort of, it's one of those things that I hadn't really thought of until this became one of our main topics for today. But if you are into team sports, this has got to be a tough time right now. Like, I don't play any sports outside of golf, so it hasn't affected me. But when I used to play team sports, if you told me suddenly, you know what, basketball's canceled for whatever reason, I'd be so upset. So it's got to be tough right now, Greg, for kids. Yeah, we're going on 10 months since uh, Alexander's volleyball team pulled the plug on all their activities, all their practices, all their tournaments, everything. We had nationals scheduled in Abbotsford, B.C. for the weekend of Mother's Day last year. So that was all canceled. And then, of course, my boys curl, and they've been on the ice exactly three times this year. And then their season, I guess, two or three days before their first season, uh, scheduled season game, was supposed to get underway uh, everything got shut down. So it's been very frustrating. I feel for them. I can sense that they're getting frustrated with it themselves. And keeping them moving has turned into a part-time obsession in our house, just getting them out for walks and getting them doing different things. And uh, I guess I should probably strap on a pair of skates <laughs> as well, Loren. Well, I think we took for granted, you know, like all these different things that you signed your kids up for, just how, what key role they played in their lives, right? Whether it was just getting them out of the house or as you say, Greg, getting them active, you know, in our home, there was two practices per week for hockey and then maybe a couple games on the weekend. They never got to any games or real, you know, league sanctioned games on, uh, at all this year. So there was, I think, a few sessions on the ice, but, you know, there was so much time was spent, um, Slapping them to the rink and back. And so there was the first part of you, uh, in, in the spring that was like, okay, this is nice to have a couple of days off. But then I got to hang on. Like that's a good hour of cardio every single day or four or five or six times a week that they were doing that I got to figure out a way to replace. And I think I was saying to you guys in the past couple of weeks when it's been warm, not every day, but someday I've dropped them off at the corner and been like, okay run home and they're like what get out of the car and run home and they actually quite like it because it you know some independence and that kind of thing but with aside from gym which is also different in their schools gym's not operating in the same way phys ed can't be exactly the same with different covid rules and cohorts and distancing restrictions 
they're really missing it. And they just said last night, I cannot wait to get on the ice again, which is, I, I think, why you see outdoor rinks full. You see the forks have so many people on them. Um, you see you see different communities looking for ways to add more ice because it was such it's such a big part of our, our family's life. And then there's all the other sports. And so I can't wait for our interview at 837. I, I interviewed the nicest little 12-year-old last night who has spent the past two and a half months bouncing a ball in his kitchen. And I can only imagine how his parents are like, oh, here we go again with the round two of a, a ball, basketballs being or a kitchen floor being used as a gym floor. But they want to keep him busy. And he has some amazing yes. dribbling skills. This and he's he's they've he's figured it out at an early age. You got to get the Dr. Rusin's always talking about the fundamentals. <laughs> if you want to be good at any sport, you got to get your fundamentals down before you start figuring out how to shoot three pointers. And I never figured out how to dribble properly. He looks Greg like Tim Hardaway from the Golden State Warriors getting ready for the killer crossover. I really like that association, Tim Hardaway. Uh, a little bit of smaller player in stature compared to other NBA players he would be probably about six foot six foot one but uh this little guy boy oh boy you talk about the fundamentals his ball handling is extraordinary I can remember on happy days uh Chachi wanted to be on the basketball team (laughs) and was always bouncing the ball dribbling the ball everywhere he went and sometimes that's what it takes and these kids now the skills that they have before they even step on a court step on the ice is absolutely extraordinary the things that that coaches are teaching them parents are teaching them the skills and the different drills that they can do holy smokes these things did not exist when we were kids no but you know what's crazy too and um, we'll play some audio from him and then we're going to speak to his coach and hats off to all these coaches many of them volunteered some have slight payments coming in for programs they might be running but we know so many things have changed in the last 10 months with who can just afford to pay for anything i mean we've got so many guests coming on throughout the day to explain all the different ways they're trying to keep their kids busy and there's there's only some sports you can do in your home so basketball yeah you can maybe bounce a ball on the kitchen floor but if you don't have a space or or garage or driveway you know that gets challenging hockey if you don't have access to ice you can't play greg you mentioned curling you can't really i mean some i know some manitobans have put rinks in their backyard for the purposes of curling but there's only so many people who can do that and so there's some sports you just can't beyond doing some cardio i remember my mom used to take the the pots, the lids to the pots when we were kids. Okay. And, and go through interns and outturns with us on the kitchen floor. <laughs> That's so, fantastic. I mean, there's, there's a few things you can do, but it's so hard to recreate many of these moments that we relied on. Yeah. And I can't even, like, my sister got me a $100 gift card for the golf dome for Christmas. And I can't even do that right now. Right. So hopefully, I mean, who knows when they'll be able to, to reopen. So that's that would be my outlet. So the only thing that I can do is pull out my putter and uh, and bang a ball back and forth across my living room floor. And have I, you? Yeah, I did it last night. <laughs> uh, and there, it's funny because there there's one spot on the carpet that kind of sticks up. So it's sort of like my own little mini golfing <laughs> um, obstacle Trap. course. And the only, I guess the other thing I could do is I, I could pull up my, my uh, wedge and, and chip some balls gently onto the couch but you oh gotta, my goodness but that you got to be careful with that because I, I i tried the first time i tried it i hit the wall and i don't want to mm. bang up the wall so you there are creative ways to participate in your activities that you want but yeah a lot of people probably missing out on sports so lots to discuss on that this morning at seven o'clock for example we're going to speak to a winnipeg mom who's been helping keeping her kids active and 
their team connected, the Transcona Regions U10 team, through weekly Zoom workouts. Uh, so that'll be fun. As well, this hour, we're going to talk about Chris Rock. What's he talking about, Greg? <laughs> well, Chris Rock talking about whether or not he should take the vaccine. And he made a tremendous observation as to why he will absolutely take the vaccine. He made a correlation between something that I know a lot of us like to eat and probably something some of us have already had this morning to uh, manage our ability to cope with everything that's going on in the world. So uh, I thought it was a tremendous discussion he had with Gail King on CBS. Oh, and also just got to quickly mention this, Loren. Uh, there's a certain former Winnipeg hockey player who sounds like he could use the money phone now. Yeah, reports coming out from various media outlets, including The Athletic, talking about Evander Kane, a former Winnipegger now playing in San Jose. It sounds like there's paperwork that's been filed for bankruptcy. He's uh, paid millions of dollars every year, but there might be millions of dollars in debt. So we're looking into those reports to see what more needs to be asked. As uh, Mirat Atash of, of The Athletic said, uh, more questions than answers with this one yet. But yeah, that's going to have people talking. And right now we want to talk about, uh, well, I, I have an app. It's called Twitter Lite. It turns out I don't need to go to Twitter. I just uh, count on Greg to yeah. share. <laughs> I was, I was he's like, got Twitter Lite, though. He's, he's Twitter Ultra or Twitter Full or something like that. <laughs> so I don't need to log on to Twitter. I just look at what's Greg sh- what Greg has shared with us. Oh, and boy. yesterday you sent us an amazing clip as it pertains to the vaccine. Yeah, Chris Rock and Gail King having a chat on CBS this morning. I guess it was yesterday. And there's been some concern. Concern in the African American, the Black community in the United States about the vaccine for COVID nineteen, and there have been a lot of conversations about how do we how do we encourage people in those communities to take the vaccine. And so Gail asked Chris Rock. I didn't see the entire interview. I wish I would have, but this uh, twenty eight second chunk of it is about exactly that. There is a vaccine that is available. Yes, there's you know, a vaccine. Can't yeah. wait. I was going to ask you, are you, you know, there is some trepidation among many people in the black community in particular about taking the vaccine. I'm going to put it this way. Do I take Tylenol when I get a headache? Yes. Do I know what's in Tylenol? I don't know what's in Tylenol, Gail. I just know my headache's gone. Do I know what's in a Big Mac, Gail? No. <laughs> I just know it's delicious. To all beef patties, yeah. special sauce, <laughs> I don't know what's in that sauce, Gail. <laughs> yes. Right. That's perfect. Yeah, I think we saw the joke on Twitter a few weeks back. Uh, Somebody pointed out, um, man says not taking the vaccine. Same man eagerly anticipating the return of the McRib. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Yes. Well, I thought I would uh, snap a picture of what it is I put on my face in the morning, what I wash my face with. Yeah. And the list of ingredients in this face wash starts with something called aqua. I don't know if that's just water but uh, <laughs> aqua cetyl alcohol propylene glycol sodium laurel sulfate sterile alcohol <laughs> methyl paraben propylapaparaben and paraben. so all the parabens are in there and i wash my face with this every single morning all i know is that it does a hell of a good job and that's all yeah. I care about. 
And that's, and that's what's fascinating to me. And I listen, I get, you know, when, when you have conversations about a vaccine that's been put out within less than a year and you, you talk about what you do understand or don't understand about trials and how long those go on for and, and who approves various things and all the rest. I, I get people have questions, but mm-hmm. what we're asking this morning is that did you ever ask those same questions for anything else that you ever put? in your body you put you put faith in a lot of things and that can be for something as uh silly as the mcrib which could also be delicious from what i've been told i've never had it brett or i've never it had be, it either no that's why people keep demanding it returns here but it could be your face cream it could be your wash cream and i said there was another meme going around in the past few weeks about you know the same idea brett uh man questions vaccine man runs to store as soon as viagra hits market like did you, how many people have put different things in their body that they're like "Ooh, it's gonna do that i am in and i don't even care how many better face those chicka waka waka walls are in that thing i'm ingesting it and i can i concur i have used viagra in the past i have no shame in admitting it i had an issue with my prostate a few years back and uh Shall we? How do I put this delicately? I had issues that I could raise the flag, but it wouldn't stay raised. So I needed to take the Viagra, and I did not look at what was in it. I just knew that uh, it worked. So, yeah, I'm I understand the hesitation, and I've had people say, and I was surprised when they said, "I'm I'm not putting that in my body if I don't know what it is." But I have never stopped personally to to question hmm, what's uh what exactly is in this this here bottle of bacardi uh spiced rum it's, it's rum that's all that matters and hey let's uh acknowledge the fact there are a lot of people who do read every single ingredient in every box or uh can or jar of food that they purchase for their family there are lots mm-hmm. of people out there like that but for most of us it's uh there's a trust factor that it's got the FDA label or it's approved by Health Canada or it's in the store and that's good enough for us in, right. a, in a lot of cases. So uh, I, and I think it's just the idea too, Greg, that, that you you might know what's in it and you go and do your research or you might not, but you can't do it both ways. You can't be on this one thing saying I need to know what's in it, but then not caring what's in anything else. Is, is that the fair, it's a fair point? You're, you're either on one side of it or, or the other when it comes to how much research you're going to do for everything. I would agree with that. Yeah, like, do you really want to look up what's in the contents of a bag of zesty Doritos? You do not. No, I just want to know that it's cheesy goodness. Or or what exactly is that buttery-flavored topping made of? <gasps> I said to you I had a bag of, when we were discussing this yesterday, I had a bag of microwave popcorn, and I'm thinking to myself, what did I just ingest? I don't know, filled the void, and it was actually pretty good. Recycled motor oil, I suspect, but it's tasty. So Got rot is what it got you, I bet. <laughs> Yeah, every time I eat movie popcorn, every single time <laughs> yeah. at the end of the movie, I feel like garbage. Yeah. But while I'm eating it, I'm thinking, oh, this is so good. So it's I'm willing to accept the pain. You had to bring up movie popcorn. I need that right now. I miss movie popcorn oh. so much. My stomach does not, but my heart and soul do. Well, not my heart, just my soul. <laughs> my <Six> heart four- <laughs> and soul. <laughs> Right now, we want to tell you about something that's happening at Bonnie Castle Dog Park, which is on Assiniboine Street uh, near at Gary. Greg, what's happening there? Well, there's a new sign been installed. <laughs> it's got a picture of a dog and those little echo sort of signs coming out of it. Yeah. And it says, no excessive 
barking. At a dog park. At a dog bark. By park, sorry. Dogs bark. Dogs bark at the park. Uh, Sherry Rollins was on the, the news yesterday, and uh, she tweeted out about the whole notion of this. I think I have a clip of her here in the... Uh, I got uh, it. Here we go. I tweeted out a sign, a new sign for our 0.12 hectare dog park, the Bonnie Castle Park. It's the downtown park. And all I thought I said was be mindful of impacts on excessive barking and just retweeted the sign that the city had put up. And uh, holy cow. (laughs) Holy cow. Yeah, as Rich said, uh, she sort of stepped in it with that tweet. Yeah. So we wanted to have a conversation about rules that you think are dumb or perhaps, like, let's say the dog was barking and you got into trouble for it. I think that's a stupid reason to get into trouble. So what are the dumb things that you've gotten in trouble for? Not because you did something dumb, but you, you got in trouble and maybe shouldn't have. Like, I'll, for example, I was at a bar once. It was the Oak, Transcona, Bullwinkles. I was like 19 years old, and I'm walking to the bar to grab a drink, and this guy starts screaming at me, just screaming bloody murder at me. He wanted to kill me. I don't know who he thought, who he thought I was, but I got kicked out. They kicked me out because he thought I was someone else, and he wanted to fight me, and I paid the price. It's your face. It's the resting bread face. Yeah, that's what did it. They looked at you and they're like, probably doesn't want to fight this guy, but this guy looks like he might fight someone else. So let's just give He's him the fight old, everyone. give him the hook. <laughs> it's a lifelong curse. So let's go around the horn here. Jeff Braun, you got an example for us? Mine's a little less dramatic than uh, the fight. Did you end up fighting that guy, Brett? No. In the parking I, lot or something? No, I didn't. I, I, le- no. I promptly left the bar and went home. Sad. Uh, I used to shake. <laughs> now I feel bad. Sad. I used to shake my head at the uh, at the, the the rules around shopping on Sunday, not so much on Sundays, but around holidays and stuff. Because uh, uh, growing up in Altona and having to go back to Altona for Christmases for many years, there that show the town just would shut down tight for a couple of days there, and I would have just real anxiety about running out of cigarettes before I could get back to <laughs> Winnipeg or the stores would open again to buy more smokes. And I was it, every year it would freak me out, and to this day. As soon as it gets to Christmas Eve, all I do is I, I do inventory of my whole place. It's like, do I have everything I need for the next couple of days? Is the world going to end if I run out of carrots or something like that? And so that, that, that really used to do it to me. Jeff Forte? <laughs> um, I got in trouble when I was in junior high by my friend who decided to throw a bouncy ball in an assembly across the gym. And I think it hit someone. I'm not quite sure. But I remember the teacher coming up to the group of us and be like, okay, who did that? And no one's fessing up. So the three of us had to stay after school for about 15 minutes. And then fast forward to about a week later, we were at uh, Portage Place on a, on a school trip to IMAX. And we're waiting in line. And my one buddy comes up and we used to squeeze the back of each other's arms because it really hurts. My one buddy comes up and squeezed the back of my arm. And I go, I go, woo! <laughs> and the same teacher who busted us at the, the assembly comes up and goes, you again, and separated me from my friends. So I had to sit alone at IMAX, and then I had to stay 15 minutes after school. What was that sound you made there, by the way? Woo! <laughs> um, Poitras, Cam Poitras. Oh, well, my fiance tells me that I'm uh, chocked full, uh, or I, I have a big problem with authority, so I guess I'm full of these things. Did you uh, say fiance? Yeah, what, yeah. Let's stop yeah. Stop the train right now. Uh-oh. What Airing is going the on? There we go. Wow, I'm getting married. When did Yay, that? When did you get engaged? Oh, like 
no, end of November. Oh my god! Wow! <laughs> and you guys say I can't keep a secret. I told Mackling, why don't you guys ask about my life every now and then? <laughs> Well, it, try not to be nosy. <laughs> Congratulations. Oh, thank you very much. Okay. What am I singing at your wedding? Endless love. Endless love. We're working it down to a short list right now, Lorena. I'll get you the short. Uh, we're working it down to about two or three songs, and I'll let Terrific. you know later. The bouncer Terrific. will kick Lorena out long before she gets to the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, well, sorry. Go, completely you and your fiance. Go ahead. Yes. Kim. Yeah. Well, she says I have a big problem with authority. Um, so I got t- I, like I'm chocked full of these things. But like you're talking about uh, bouncers at bars are some of the most frustrating people, um, especially when they're like overly aggressive. Um, there was one incident. I was in, in Calgary, and a guy bought me a beer. And, you know, we were both three sheets to the wind, and he had said something to the bartender that I guess the bartender didn't like. I think it was something he didn't agree with politically. So he took both of our beers. And I, you know, I, I was like, why are you taking mine? I didn't say anything. And he's like, you're getting out of here. And I said, I didn't say nothing. So I, you know, I grabbed my beer back from behind the bar, and I, and I started drinking it. And so then the bouncer comes behind me and puts me in a headlock, and I was <laughs> able to slip out of it. And I turn up and says, oh, listen, buddy, there's no need for that kind of action uh so yeah and then i mouthed off to the guy as it was walking out and but it's just yeah i got i got tons of these walking uh, walking down the wrong you know not following the i got tons of like it's my whole life is fighting these rules that i don't don't agree with fight the power Catherine right. yeah. so here's what we need She's from a you lucky lady <laughs> <laughs> Here is what we need from you at 204-780-6868 for your chance to Winnipeg Jets jersey. Either A, a rule that you just think is dumb, or B, did you ever get in trouble because of a stupid rule uh, or when you shouldn't have gotten in trouble? Text us, 204-780-6868 for your chance to win, and we will share your stories throughout the morning right here on The Start. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Breakfast with the Bombers coming up at 7.37. We will speak with Brandon Alexander. And before we introduce our next guest, I just got to mention this, Loren, and thanks to Transcona Councillor Sean Nason for bringing this up. We were talking about that dumb sign at Bonnie Castle Dog Park on Assiniboine that says, No excessive barking. Please respect our neighbours. And uh, he pointed out that neighbours is spelled the American way. It's B-O-R-S on the oh. sign, not B-O-U-R-S. Had, had so. to be that guy. A lot of people will say the grammar rules are what drive them crazy. But I hear you. I like to put my U where it's supposed to be. Yeah, it's the, it, we're in Canada. So get, this, yep. get the sign right. Do you, want me, you want me to respect your sign? At least spell it correctly. And again, keep texting us, 204-780-6868. Stories on rules you think are dumb or a time you got in trouble for something dumb for a chance to win that Winnipeg Jets jersey. We'll give it away at 9.15. Now, one of the things we're doing today on CJOB is focusing on how kids are doing without sports, how to keep kids active, how to keep teams connected, etc. And when you mentioned this, Loren, last week that we were doing this today, I remember that every Saturday for the last few weeks when I go on Instagram, one of our colleagues down the hall, Phil Aubrey from Power Mornings with Philly Joe and Kirby on Winnipeg's rock station, Power 97. Every Saturday, he posts a video on his Instagram of one of his boys participating in a Zoom workout with his hockey team, the Transcona Regents U10 squad, and the workout is led by his wife. And her name is Stacy Aubrey, and she joins us now on the start. Good morning, Stacy. Good morning, guys. How you doing? 
We're good, thank you. Our, that, that leads well into our first question, Stacy. because before we get into what you've been doing with the kids in Transcona, I'm just curious how your kids have been doing overall without hockey. I'm guessing you've gone from several hours at a rink to obviously zero right now. Yeah, yeah. We were certainly happy when the outdoor rinks opened up uh, over the Christmas break. The kids were just ecstatic. We got out there at, you know, 8.30 every morning, and uh, it was great. It was really good to get out. I mean, they've been sledding, and we've gone to Birds Hill Park, but it's certainly not the same. (laughs) Well, the kids crave that interaction not only uh, with their teammates, but just that dedication. I think sometimes we forget how much kids love to be involved in the team sport and love the discipline involved, even though we get pushback sometimes. (laughs) I don't want to go today, uh, but for the most part, Stacey, they, they really do love that aspect of it. Oh, you bet. Yeah, my, my kids are often throwing out there, you know, maybe we can go to the outdoor rink and just invite some of our friends and make sure that it's social distance and invite the goalie and he can just stay in the net. And it's like, no, not yet. Not yet. Hopefully we'll get there. <laughs> so how did the Zoom workouts come about? Well, um, you know, I think initially it was just, okay, you know, this is going to be postponed for a couple of weeks. So let's keep them in shape, make sure that they're ready to go back on the ice. And then it was postponed for a couple more weeks and a couple more weeks. And I think the, uh, the workouts have just kind of blossomed from there. They've progressively gotten harder and, and uh, we want to make sure that the kids are kids are well in shape if, and I'm crossing my fingers, if the uh, season starts back up here in a couple of weeks and is extended. So, I mean, it was just kind of talking about what should we do with the kids. And um, my husband said, well, why don't you teach them? And then uh, another team, my, my younger son's coach contacted me to jump on board and teach their kids as well. So it kind of just blossomed from there and progressively gotten harder as I've been told (laughs) Well, before we get into how hard these workouts have become and please tell me you've at least kept burpees out of the equation because that's my (laughs) my most hated thing at the gym but Stacey before we get into the actual workout technically was it hard to set this all up because that's been a learning curve I think for many people whether it's through work or through the things that our kids are doing or their classes uh, at school it's the technological challenges so how did it how did it go from a technical standpoint when you first started it up you know I have to say uh, my husband's team has 15 kids and my younger son's team has I think 12 or 13 and there was not a lot of difficulties. You know, we use Zoom, and I think it's a platform that really everyone has either used or heard of, and so can just easily go online and and figure out how to use it. But it's a pretty easy platform to learn. You can use it on really anything. I know sometimes there's some difficulties with audio, and people just switch over from their laptop to their iPhone. It's actually really, it's been really seamless. So I have to ask on behalf of Loren McNabb, are there any burpees involved and how are the kids enjoying those workouts and, and what have you got them doing? Oh yeah, there's definitely burpees involved. Last This, this past weekend we did, we did a full minute of 180 degree uh, burpees and the kids oh. told me that they never want to do that again. So... <laughs> uh, but no, I mean, burpees, yeah, that might be one of their most hated moves, but it's such a great full body movement and uh, I mean for the most part we do a lot of plyometric moves so we do a lot of tuck jumps and we do a lot of uh, jumping on on a box or a step or a bench whatever you have and 
Um, we do what's called Russian lunges. Um, so it's, it's jumping between those lunges. So it's a lot of plyometrics to get their, their muscles engaged, the right muscles that they're going to be using on the ice. Um, my younger son's favorite player is Connor McDavid. So we do a lot of moves that Connor McDavid does. How challenging is it overall to keep young boys engaged and active for the last several months without driving yourself crazy as a family? Um, you know, my husband probably drives me more crazy than my kids do. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, the kids, I think initially it was like, it was very um, like, oh my God, you know, we don't have anything to do Monday to Sunday now. What the heck are we going to do? So um, we just kind of make sure that they stay active. Uh, my two boys, they're nine and seven, and they're pretty active. We're lucky enough that they can still go to school and they have their cohorts that they stay in and their three recesses. And both my kids wear Fitbits. So every day when they get home, we, we check their Fitbits. You know, how many steps did you get? And my older son, oh, he's ridiculous. He gets 13,000 a day just from school. Um, so they're, they're very active, very active kids. Well, Stacey Aubrey, thank you so much for taking a few minutes to tell us about this. Uh, I didn't realize how complicated these workouts were. You're talking about like plyometrics and Russian lunges. I've never heard of these things. Good for you for for helping these kids stay active. They look like they're having a blast whenever I see the videos. So, looks yeah, like I think they are. I certainly am. So, <laughs> well, that's great. Thank you for taking a few minutes to talk to us, Stacey. We appreciate this. You bet. Have a great day. You too, Lorena. Are you sure you don't want to try it? Maybe just try a burpee. No, I do them. Like they're part of the, I do some online workouts too. And every time I get to them, you, I mutter like to myself, I hate this. I hate this so much, but I don't, how many did she say they were doing? I mean, these kids these days, they're so much better than I ever was at a young age, not just with the activities, but, but with the Fitbits, you see them everywhere now. Kids get it. You got to keep moving. They're all over it. They want to be engaged. They want to be better. They want to learn. They're moldable. They're pliable. We just have to. Uh, we just have to give them the instruction that they crave. Does standing up to walk to the fridge count as uh, as semi exercise? It's like you know, you're, it's like you're engaging your core because you have to. Well, if you rotate, if you rotate just the right way, I would say yes. <laughs> Breakfast with the Bombers, brought to you by the Cooperators. Find an advisor at cooperators.ca, a better place for you. Now, one of our topics of conversation with Bob Irving yesterday morning was the long list of signings the Winnipeg Blue Bombers have been announcing. Yeah, and also announcing restructured contracts with all sorts of people, uh, defensive linemen and reigning CFL Defensive Player of the Year, Willie Jefferson. Earlier in the week, it was Zach Caleros. And then, of course, just as we were beginning our chat with Bob, the team announced a one-year extension to another key piece of its Grey Cup winning defense, Greg. That's right. Brandon Alexander is returning to the club. BA returns to Breakfast with the Bombers this morning. Good morning, Brandon. Welcome back, and congratulations on your new contract. Thank you. Thank you much for having me. I appreciate it. Well, we always love speaking with you, and I can say it would be very tough uh, for many fans to see you in any CFL colors other than blue and gold. You said yesterday that loyalty is a big deal to you. Loyalty is a two-way street, B.A. What have the Blue Bombers done to earn your loyalty? Uh, well, they just showed me, you know, how much, you know, that I that they care. 
you know, just about, you know, me and the organization. And what I mean by that is, you know, I came in and, you know, I worked extremely hard. And, uh, you know, when I first came in in 2017, we're just putting that type of effort. And um, I know that they saw that from the beginning. They saw uh, that I could be a key piece, you know, whether anywhere on the field. And, um, you know, just from the beginning, I just felt that, you know, being home, like Winnipeg is home for me, just like how UCF was home for me. Um, and not just because it was in Orlando, but just because of the team camaraderie, um, the coaches, you know, the organization. And I feel the same way, and it's just reciprocated the same, you know. Um, and I believe that I, I've showed that on and off the field numerous of times throughout the years that I've been up there. Um, and uh, I, I believe that's what happened with the, with the loyalty at the end of the day. It's just more of uh, we both understand, you know, what – what we want to get accomplished and uh, we did just that and you know I'm really appreciate that they want to bring me back you mentioned coaches well the relationship that athletes have with their coaches can end up being as important in any athlete's life as an asp- any aspect of what you can get out of the athletics themselves so I don't know if we've ever asked you about this Brandon but the coaches who have had an impact on your life can you tell us about that and and does Mike O'Shea fit into that category Without question, I mean, I'd had a lot of coaches that uh, that impacted my life at, at some point in time. Uh, I mean, that list is pretty long. Um, I could start from high school with Coach Darlington and um, a couple of others, and one coach that didn't coach me was Coach Gerke and ended up getting me to uh, UCF. Then you got the Coach O'Leary's, the head coach at UCF, and um, all the position coaches. And then you get here, you know, one of the first people that I, that I bond with is Coach Richie Hall. You know, that was the guy that, that worked me out for my tryout. Um, and brought me in and uh, gave me a shot, really. And then from there, it kind of just took off. And, you know, with Coach O'Shea just being the head leader of everything, um, I mean, he, he is a player's coach. You know, he just uh, basically, like, allows us to, to be ourselves and, uh, and and basically run the team I was supposed to. And, and he allows us to have that type of freedom. And we go out there and, and, and we abide by that. And we make sure that we, we abide by the rules that he, he gives us and, and we're okay with that. And so, you know, his, his impact on the team, you know, his leadership that he, he shows to us, it, it trickles down to that, to that organization, trickles down through the locker room and uh, it spreads around the people. And that's why we are so tight-knitted as we are. Brandon, we've been talking a lot this morning on CJOB just about sports in general and, and their role in the lives of many of us. And I know there's so many Blue Bomber fans who can't wait for the season to return, players like yourself, of course, who can't wait for the season to return. But then just you mentioned all these coaches as a young kid. I'm wondering how hard it would have been on you if, if COVID had hit when you were a child growing up and it took away sports for months or maybe even a year. What kind of impact would that have had on you? How, how key was just getting to the field and having those coaches in your life to you as a, as a young man growing up? I mean, it's definitely key. I mean, when you think about it, you have a lot of different sets of parents. And what I mean by that is, you know, when you go to high school or when you go to school in general, I mean, those teachers see you more than your, your parents do at home for the most part, you know, as you're growing up, you know, and they're they're a part of your life. They, they help mold you into who you're going to be in the future. Coaches as well, you're spending hours with them day in and day out. When you get to college, you're spending hours hours, days, days with these with these coaches, with these players. These people end up becoming your brothers. These people end up becoming uh, father figures to you. These people end up becoming something special to you because of the time that you spend with these people. And um, that's just like the most important thing. Like the, everything is a life lesson, and especially in sports. Sports teach you so much uh, about just life in general, how to work hard, how to, uh, you know, how to, how to not quit, how to, how to play, be a team player. Um, and, 
and how to learn how to win at the end of the day. You know, everything in, in sports you can put in real life and, and, and take it to account, you know. So, uh, you know, these guys, everybody that be in the organization in sports, you know, they end up being something to you because of the time spent. B.A., you've done some teaching yourself, have you not? Uh, just a little bit. I was definitely tutored for about three years uh, at, uh, at two different high schools uh, for a time. So, yes. Okay, so we're going to have a little bit of fun here. No pressure. There's no right or wrong answers. We've got five quick questions <laughs> for you just, uh, just to get a little bit more insight. You've been here long enough. We should know the answer to some of these questions by now, but we probably don't. So, uh, Brett, if you can uh, start the clock here. And uh, you can take away the first couple questions, McGarry. All right, Brandon. Dogs or cats? Dogs. Cars or trucks? Cars. Steak or chicken? Ooh, chicken. (laughs) Favorite Winnipeg restaurant? Ooh, Joey's. And are you afraid of sharks? (laughs) Not really, no. (laughs) <laughs> Beautiful. All good answers. No wrong answers. Thanks for that, BA. Just thought we'd have a little bit of fun with you this morning. Did, did you ask him if he's afraid of sharks to, to so you could find a kindred spirit, Greg? Well, you know, here's the thing. UCF, I think, has a really awesome um, marine biology uh, um, uh, program, and I think one of the world's foremost shark experts uh, actually works out of UCF, if I'm not uh, mistaken, University of Central Florida. So I just thought I'd uh, I'd sneak that in. I know Matt Dunnigan is horrified, petrified, a shark. So yes, I was looking for a kindred spirit. Uh, that's funny. So Brandon, uh, as we hope that we can see some football again, uh, hopefully in the, the coming months, how anxious are you to get back out on the field and start kicking some butt i'm definitely anxious you know uh this past year definitely took you know a toll on me i won't sit up here and and, and lie to you guys i mean i know a lot of people took a hit um and everybody dealt with it differently i mean to be honest with you was a point of time where i had to put everything down i had to put football down i had to put music down and i had to go out in there and work you know i had to and, and really you know get myself together um and it, it was some tough times. I didn't know what I really wanted to do, you know, besides play football. And, um, you know, being around the kids while I was coaching, you know, in high school last year. And um, it made me sad a little bit because I was supposed to be on the field this year or, or last year. It made me sad a little bit. But uh, me being able to give out the information to those kids and things made me feel a little bit better. And, um, you know, seeing like the NFL and the NCAA and the NBA and all those um uh, organizations playing gave me hope that that it, it will it will happen, um, and that's all that that's that's really what, what anybody wants at the end of the day. If there's hope, there's a way, you know, and and you still have that drive. So I, I've been very anxious for for this to happen, um, and to be honest with you, you know, I, I couldn't be more ready to go. Brandon Alexander joining us live on 680 CJOB for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers for Breakfast with the Bombers. Brandon, thank you so much for the time. As always, it's always a pleasure to speak to you, sir. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Question of the day at CJOB.com. It is brought to you by Mr. Furnace. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furnace, 204-832-6243. And the question is, where are your kids at with being active compared to before the pandemic? 
Where are your kids at with being active compared to before the pandemic? Your options are, it's, I went with the eye exam approach. More, less, or about the same? I also threw in an I don't have kids option as well uh, because that's where I'm at. But uh, cast your vote, cjob.com. So far, 100% of the vote says less. But that's early, early going in that particular horse race. In the meantime, we'll also throw that up on Twitter at 680CJOB. In the meantime, thousands of Manitoba businesses are still going through dozens of pages of paperwork as many just try to stay afloat during Level Red. Yeah, and they come with all sorts of acronyms and long names and websites to access, things like wage subsidies or emergency business accounts or rent subsidies. They're all programs that, in many respects, didn't exist as they stand right now a year ago. And so for many businesses trying to access these emergency funds, there are many questions about whether they even qualify, if they're going to be around in the weeks ahead, and and what may have changed as this pandemic carries on. Chuck Davidson is the president of the Manitoba Chambers of Commerce and joins us now. Good morning, Chuck. Good morning, Lorraine. Manitobans still have about 10 days to go, at least until we know if these restrictions are going to be lifted. So before we get into existing programs, what are you hearing from businesses these days? Are there still gaps in terms of funding that they might want to access but can't? Well, I think it still exists. There's no question about that. I think the bigger frustration is just is just a fact for most businesses that, that we're continuing with Code Red. Uh, they want to get open as quickly as possible. Like no business out there wants to be dependent on on government programs for their uh, for their business existence. So I think that's the bigger challenge that they're dealing with right now. I think the programs that are out there work. Uh, obviously, the bigger challenges are businesses taking advantage of all of those because there is a you know as you mentioned a litany of programs at both the provincial and the federal level. So you know the more that we can do to help educate our members and the business community about those programs and how they can access them, the better they're going to be in the long run. Good morning, Chuck. Uh, just this whole notion of getting open sooner than later, I, th- I think most of us can agree on that uh, for a variety of different reasons. And obviously businesses are, are trying to survive here. Uh, are there some suggestions that have come across uh, either your desk, in your email, or different conversations that you've had over the last several months that just have you going, yeah, gee whiz, I, I wish we could have proposed this weeks and weeks ago because it, it might have saved some businesses along the way in terms of operational style and, and opportunity. Yeah, there's different things that we've suggested, Greg, in terms of what we could be looking at in Manitoba, whether it's, uh, you know, uh, opening businesses at a limited percentage, whether it's a 25%, whether it's allowing some of those businesses that are appointment only to be able to open as well. Can we expand that? You know, the other challenge that we're seeing in Manitoba is that is that the caseloads in different parts of the province are significantly different. And so looking at it from a regional perspective, like there's communities in, in Manitoba that I've had discussions with that don't have any active cases of COVID in their community, but at the same time, all of their small businesses remain closed. So, you know, that's part of the challenge that we're looking at uh, and that we're continuing to provide advice on. Uh, but, you know, the, at the end of the day, I mean, the, the, the number one priority that we're trying to do is is how do we get cases under control and how do we allow those businesses to open even at limited capacity, uh, hopefully in the, within the next two weeks. So tell us about this webinar that the Chamber is co-hosting later this week. Why are you doing it? Well, this is one of the things that we found when we've done some polling of our membership is that, you know, of the federal programs that exist and the programs have been well uh, recognized, uh, only about 40% of our members are either taking up on them or have the ability or the knowledge of those. So one of the things that we're doing later this week is we're partnering with Vexit Business uh, and we're having two uh, senior tax professionals, uh, Ken Goodridge, a senior tax manager from Laser Grant, Lilani Kagan, a tax lawyer from TDS, be able to answer some questions, uh, you know, because that's some of the bigger challenges that a lot 
lot of business owners have with the the number of programs that are out there. How do you apply for them? What's the process? You know, how am I eligible? So answering some of those questions is is one of the biggest challenges that we're continuing to hear from businesses across the province and making sure that they, they have the ability to ask those questions, get those answers to make sure that they're taking advantage of those. So, you know, this is something that we've been doing since the beginning of the pandemic on our website at jointhechamber.ca. Uh, we've dedicated an entire section to, uh, you know, being able to go online and find out about these programs. But any chance you get to do things, uh, you know, this will be a Zoom call. We've already got close to 300 business people uh, signed up to take part in this event on Thursday uh, at noon. And again, this is a free event as well. Uh, it, it just helps them to, uh, with these challenging times, to provide them with some information that they're looking for. Before we let you go, Chuck, and, and I'm pleased to be moderating this business event for Chamber and Vexit on Thursday because even in my family, I've my family are small business owners and there's so many lingering questions they have about what should they access, should they access. And I'm curious, you mentioned the number only 40% have applied for some of these programs. What's stopping the rest of them? Obviously not everyone needs or may qualify, but there certainly must be a lot more. Is it just sort of the process that's keeping them back or just not understanding how they work at all? Yeah, I think it's a combination of two, Lauren. I think it is one that, you know, not all businesses obviously need uh, help. But at the same time, you know, going through government programs and initiatives is is something that businesses are typically not used to having to do. Uh, and it's just a challenge with some of those. So sometimes it can be daunting uh, in terms of where you get started, which programs you, you think you can access. So I think that's a part of it as well, So which is why we're continually trying to educate our members uh, in terms of what the programs are, how you can use them, and, and any kind of opportunity that you can have some tax professionals or some tax experts to help provide that little bit of guidance as well, we think will help. So so that's really a key part of, of why we're doing this. And I think it's uh, I think it's important. And, you know, obviously we're, we're thrilled to have someone with the, the skill set of a Loren McNabb to, uh, to moderate this session. And, and, and I, I actually don't have to do it. <laughs> I, I can't even figure out half the acronyms, Chuck. So we'll see how if I get through the Qs and the Cos and the Serbs and all the rest. But we'll, we'll get there. A fine choice, if I may say so, Chuck. Just really quickly here, about 30 seconds. I actually know somebody uh, that owns a small business that was very apprehensive to apply for one of the government programs because she was under the impression that the government at the the end of the day would own part of her business if she did that yeah yeah and and, and understandably uh, you know, I think what, what we're seeing with a number of the programs, and I think the wage subsidy program has been one that's been a real lifeline for a lot of businesses. Uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's not going to be the case of government owning your business by, by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, but I think the, these programs have been helpful for many businesses keeping them afloat. So we just want to make sure that, you know, that that continues and that the business can, can, can get through this pandemic and, and, and hopefully be, uh, uh, again, be profitable on the other side. Chuck Davidson, President of the Manitoba Chambers of Commerce, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Thank you, Chuck. Thanks, everyone. Once again, Thursday at noon, the webinar moderated by our very own Loren McNabb. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. We have that Winnipeg Jets jersey up for grabs, and we are going to give it away at some point after 9.15 this morning. So your last chance to text us at 204-780-6868 on either A, rules you think are dumb, or B, times that you got in trouble for dumb reasons. And not something dumb that you did, but something like it's just, you. I'm in trouble for this? Really? Text us, 204-780-6868. You may recall that as we approached Christmas, one Manitoba First Nation drew the ire of many 
Manitobans, including the Premier. Uh, deep breath here. I admit to being one of those citizens who is wondering aloud, what on earth are they thinking up in Peguis as they presented their plans for a relaxed lockdown over the holidays? Now, the Premier's words were a little harsher, not much than my thoughts, but they were harsher. He called the Peguis plan, Loren, a massive mistake. Yeah, but we want to get more into that plan in a moment because it appears over the past few days and weeks, there's been some success on Pegwis First Nation with a genuine achievement in the battle against COVID-19, uh, adding up to a real stretch of impressive days. And Chief Glenn Hudson is the chief of Pegwis First Nation, and he joins us now. Good morning, Glenn. Good morning. Well, first, maybe I'd let you do the honours because I was just texting with you moments ago, Chief, to, to get those numbers. Just share with us what they are in relation to COVID-19 on Pegwis First Nation. All right. Now we have... Uh no uh, active cases and no new cases over the last 26 days now, including yesterday. And uh, our recoveries are at 192, where we had two passings, uh, unfortunately, but those uh, infections occurred outside at uh, medical facilities in, in Winnipeg. And uh, uh, we have uh, put in uh, many protocols, even above uh, the code red restrictions, uh, practices that encompass uh, our security checkpoints at our community entrances, uh, community curfew. Uh, we've also had our uh, people from outside of our community and visitors not permitted during uh, these times unless it was for health or uh, funeral reasons. And uh, I guess the list uh, goes on as far as uh, some of the some of the details, but those are uh, some of the uh, more uh, restrictive measures over and above code red. Chief Hudson, implementing. Sorry, Chief. Uh, Chief Hudson, uh, it's Greg here. Uh, please accept my apology for my reaction. I wasn't alone in it. And <laughs> and so I really, uh, I honestly wanted to bring you on today to, to deliver that apology because uh, this really went against uh, so many things that, that were happening outside of, of Pegwa's First Nation. And, you know, uh, Brian Pallister said something that also got my back up. He said that COVID-19 doesn't discriminate, but it is discriminating because Indigenous Manitobans are suffering disproportionately to the rest of us. So that's why I was, I guess, uh, even more frustrated with the, the plan that you'd laid out because it's like, boy, Chief Hudson, if you haven't noticed, Indigenous people are paying a higher price here. Yeah, no, I, I would agree. Um, but uh, we had uh, were one of the first communities. And in fact, we were the first community impacted by COVID-19, the first First Nation community. And uh, with our uh, measures that we've implemented during wave one in terms of uh, the protocols and practices as far as contact tracing, testing, uh, as far as uh, implementing curfews, uh, our checkpoints and having security measures in place where if there are gatherings, uh, people were checked on in terms of the, the community households, et cetera, et cetera. Um, we've managed to take that from a high of uh, 76 cases back at the end of October and entering into the lockdown to zero cases to uh, December 16th or 17th. And now we are uh, 26 straight days without COVID, even though we have allowed visitation during the Christmas period. And uh, 
with those visits, we, we uh, did uh, pre-registration. We did a lot of screening, ensuring people don't come in with COVID-19 and, uh, and obviously leave the community after the visitation period with, without uh, COVID-19. So our measures were over and above what the province and, and obviously Canada has in place. But, uh, and I know other First Nations are struggling. I've been in contact with many chiefs in other communities to try and help and reach out in those instances and, and share our plans on what we're doing here at Pegasus in terms of how we manage to keep our uh, number of cases at zero. So those so, things, uh, you know, as far as the apology, I do accept the apology, but seeing is believing and, uh, you know, uh, the, the results speak for themselves here at Pegasus. Thanks for your graciousness. I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we continue to practice uh, these safe measures. I know we're no longer in a, in a lockdown mode where we had three in one cycle and a three in two cycle, meaning three days of lockdown and two days uh, you're allowed to go out for essential service. Today we're following code red, but we do have, uh, we do have uh, further protocols in place to help keep our community safe. And overall, you know, it's the community buy-in. It's the, the people themselves on the ground that understand the importance of following the protocols and practices to keep themselves safe and to keep our entire community safe and therefore the outside. So I, I think we've done well in managing our way through this. What do restrictions look like as we move ahead? How do they look for you? Well, in terms of the restrictions themselves, we still have uh, a community curfew from 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. where nobody's uh, supposed to be out uh, unless it's a, an emergency. We have checkpoints at our community entrances. And when it comes down to our uh, people living outside of our community, they're not allowed in. They have to register and we do the screening and uh, do the follow through as far as monitoring. And we're 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 endorsing uh you know people remaining in their family bubbles and we actually have opened it up to extended family bubbles to allow some visitation within the community because people get lonely people uh you know uh other anxieties come about mental health issues and so we have to be empathetic and and address those things too in terms of helping our members and our community along with that so uh we look at from a wellness point of view, also the importance of not only having these restrictions in place, but also easing them so people uh, do feel better in terms of uh, dealing with this pandemic. Well, First Nations leadership has really been at the head of this pandemic in your community, and you've been leading your community through this, Glenn. And I think it's fair to say that because you put those restrictions in before everybody else, you were able to have, and I'm putting relaxed in quotes, you still had a curfew, you still had some of those security checks. It wasn't wide open visitations all over the place, but you were able to have some normalcy over the holidays. And here's hoping that continues for you guys in the days and weeks ahead. Yes, definitely. And thank you for that. And I know our elders, uh, they were locked up in our personal care home for four straight months, and we allowed them to go out in the community and visit their families, and you could see that sense of elation and that sense of uh, stress coming off of them when, when they were allowed to do that. So it's important to us to look after the health and wellness of our, our community overall. Chief Glenn Hudson, Pegwis First Nation, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Chief, thank you very much for the time. Yes, thank you, and Happy New Year to everybody.
We've been asking you the question this morning, and this is inspired by the fact that uh, Bonnie Castle Dog Park on Assiniboine has a sign up that says, no excessive barking, please respect your neighbors. So I think that's dumb. And we've been asking you, what rules do you think are dumb? Or you ever get in trouble for something stupid? Like you didn't do anything wrong, but you got in trouble anyway. Or at least you think you didn't do anything wrong. Maybe you actually did, but you're like, no, that's a dumb rule. I say it's a dumb rule. I shouldn't have gotten in trouble for that. So we want you to text us at 204-780-6868, and we'll pick a winner after the global news at 930. But, Loren, we have not had time yet uh, to hear your story. Do you got something? Well, mine's about the kind of unwritten rules that are out there, and it's really specific to DJs and the music they will or will not play at (laughs) weddings or bars. And so, yes, I get at a wedding, the bride and groom have the right to have a do not playlist. That's no problem. I got no problem with that. That's your wedding. But the number of times I've. The number of times I've. (laughs) Picked a fight with a DJ. I can count on at least two hands because they refuse to put my requests in. And to to the point of just like, this makes no sense. And, and again, at a wedding, if they're sick of my Bon Jovi requests, fine, I'll move on. But we were at this club uh, for my sister's 40th in Chicago. And it was a tiki bar and it had all these like pirate drinks and fun things. And I don't even really know what a tiki bar is supposed to be, but that was the theme. And so... It, uh, I went up to the DJ cause, because it's her birthday and we had a couple tables and we've paid, you know, good money to be there. And I said, could you please, it's her 40th, could you please play A, B, or C? And of course, Bon Jovi was on the list and he's like, no, it's a tiki bar. So the next song he proceeds to play is TLC's Don't Go Chasing waterfalls which i guess has a tiki theme because they're by a waterfall i don't know (laughs) then about five or six songs later he goes back to tlc's don't go chasing waterfalls finally by the third time i go back to him i was like are you kidding me if your playlist is nine songs deep put on some bon jovi (laughs) and then he's like i don't have bon jovi and i was like everybody has bon jovi i will sing you bon jovi right now into this mic and then basically they called somebody over, yada, 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 don't bug the DJ anymore, you know. <laughs> yada, 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 you That's were kicked out I, of the club. No, I wasn't, but I'm sure it was close. I mean, it made no sense. What's a tiki bar? Nobody needs to hear Don't Go Chasing Waterfalls more than once in a night. Definitely not three or four times. And definitely not now, Forche. I'm angry. Oh, it's happening. <laughs> it's happening right now. It's happening. Awesome kind of story, Loren. Kind of Amazing story, Loren. Thank you for that. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. We're giving away a Winnipeg Jets jersey at the end of this segment based on your text messages at 204-780-6868 inspired by a conversation we had this morning about the fact that Bonnie Castle Dog Park on Assiniboine which by the way I didn't know that was a dog park it wasn't always I think it just opened as one maybe last late last year okay it was a couple of years ago because it was um one of was it the downtown water water park don't go there oh. the downtown dog park was one of uh Mayor Brian Bowman's, I want to say it's one of his first promises, was it not? In the mm. first round or oh, go-around? Made, oh, made, yes. Yeah, Portage and Maine getting open was uh, oh. That's not. You know what? Okay. Water Park, Portage and Maine, we're not doing that today, man. We're not doing that. Unless you're going to play TLC again, I'm not interested. <laughs> Speaking of promises and waterfalls and that sort of thing. So I didn't know it was a dog park, but they put up this sign there saying, no excessive barking, please respect your neighbors. And I get it, there are... Big residential towers right across the street, but at the same time, I sort of feel like, look, it's a, it's a dog park, and if the dogs can't bark, 
Except even if it's in excess, if they can't bark at the park, then where can they bark? So, well, and most dog owners, sorry to jump in here, Brett, but most dog owners understand that there's a line of where your dog is behaving poorly and where your where your dog doesn't actually deserve to be around other dogs, and so you you take them away. Uh, So I'd be interested to know how many complaints were received about quote unquote excessive barking from a facility that's designed exclusively for the dogs. It would be sort of like um, people in Fort Gary, and maybe this has happened now that I'm saying it out loud, <laughs> that were uh, co- that that might complain about Blue Bomber fans cheering too loudly when the team scores a touchdown. Oh, we used to get phone calls all the time about the noise coming from IGF. Well, then the, you know, the music is one thing and fireworks are another, but... Can you keep the celebrations down just a little bit? I know you're excited that your team is winning, but do you have to cheer so loudly? I've actually had that happen at Jets games in the in the last couple of years. Oh, it's like when you go to a concert and someone says, "Are you going to stand the whole time?" And yes, I'm like, are you going to sit the whole time? I don't understand what's happening here. Mm-hmm. But so, you know, these dog owners might be a bit about the the parents of kids who think their kids are cute when they're having a tantrum. Oh, isn't he cute? No. Get him out. Get him out of the room. <laughs> That's why they have a cry room in churches, etc. right? That's built mm. for a reason. Do they really? take them there. A cry Some room? churches, not all of them. And it might just be a side closet that they've, they've had, you know, where it suddenly gets a, it suddenly gets a sticker t- attached to it that says this is the cry room. But for sure, in, in several churches, there's a space for, with a glass that you can still watch the service because there might be you know, your kid's crying or needs to eat or is a bit unruly or that kind of thing. So you need a dog room, a dog bark room. Yeah, that'd be a great idea, actually. But listen to this text to 204-780-6868. So we'll just read a series of runners up here before we announce the winning text. But this one says, My sister and I were scolded at Thermea for giggling. Sorry, we were having a quiet laugh while there was nobody else in the hot tub. Like, I get the rule, but seriously, we were the only customers there. Mm-hmm. They have some pretty strict... Uh Zero communication rules at Thermia, from what I understand. It's yeah. supposed to be a place of zen. My and husband quiet. loves those rules. <laughs> when <laughs> we go together, it. she's always pointing to the sign, like, see that sign there, Loren? <laughs> you go to Thermia quite often? We've Loren, only been once as a couple. I'm oh, just okay. kidding. But I've gone with friends for sure. And depending what kind of group setting you're in, my point is, depending, you know, you could be there with friends and be kind of frustrated because you're there to hang out and talk and really the point is relaxation or you could be there as a couple where you know one of you could really use a time where the other can't talk so <laughs> so you go to the spa <laughs> it's actually pretty crafty clever idea or listen to this one and this one's interesting because of how things have changed i used to work in an office downtown one day a few years ago i came into work and i had a bit of a cold when i entered the lunchroom one of the other employees said I could not sit in the lunchroom because I had a cold. I told her, she's rude. Afterwards, I was called into my manager's office and was in trouble for calling her rude. It really made no sense. So a week later, I quit that job that the management wouldn't even listen to my side. I'm now in an amazing job with great people, and I'm really blossoming. And then I said, "And well, that, that's a great story, but it's also interesting that in today's world... Probably wouldn't even go to work if you had a cold, right? Hmm. Oh, that's a really good point. Yeah, how things are going to really change. Uh, Before we get off the crying room, real quick here, my dad just texted, and he says that the Roxy Theater had a crying room once upon a time. 
the Roxy Theater. Mm-hmm. So if you took your kids to the movie yeah, and they were misbehaving, uh, you were kind of, <clears throat> hey, there's a place for that. Anyway, sounds like sounds like that's where he took you. Um, Lucas <laughs> texted in to say, "Good morning, everyone." I was a colicky baby. That's quite <laughs> likely, actually. Office rules, right? That's what we've been saying. They really get people's goats sometimes. And so uh, he wrote to say, I remember the last job I worked at. We used to have a safety meeting every month. One time I mentioned some safety issues at the meeting and I got in trouble because I should have talked to the manager and not say it at the safety meeting, even though I did before. And so then on my next employee evaluation, I was told I complained too much. (laughs) Troublemaker! (laughs) And honestly, have you not ever been in a meeting before where they say, does anyone have any questions? And you just save it for that private talk mm. with your manager as opposed to bringing it up there because sure. you just don't know how it's going to come across. Well, if you can't bring up safety issues in a safety <laughs> meeting, A, that's a problem. But yes, to, uh, and I know managers sometimes get, they get annoyed when no one wants to pose the question. So then you you ask the question because you can see it in your boss's face. Like, seriously, you guys don't have any questions? All right, fine. I got a question. And then I can see the annoyance <laughs> on my boss's face because I'm asking a question. And when I ask questions, they tend to be more of like the the sort of annoying, nitpicky, <laughs> you know, like poking sort of questions. So that's why I tend to sometimes keep it private. But if you're begging for questions in a meeting, I'll ask the question. Well, that was like the meeting we were on last week and I was walking in the dog park. And so I had, I thought for the most part, <laughs> my microphone on mute and we were having a meeting and the <laughs> boss asked a question about something. Nobody has any complaints about that. I'm fumbling for my phone in my pocket. I got to get my mid off or whatever. <laughs> no, 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 no. We're not getting away from that so quickly. So, uh, Brett, I've learned a lot from you in terms of speaking up in meetings. So I want to thank you for that. You're welcome. <laughs> that was really funny, by the way. Loren, were you in that meeting? Oh, I heard all that breathing and snorting and the sniffling from Greg. <laughs> And I was like, who is this on this call right now? Because, of course, when you were walking your dog while you're at the meeting, because it's way in the afternoon sometimes, right? So yes. we, we were up at 3 in the morning and at work at 4 and all the rest. And so, um, yeah, I, 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 th- I actually thought you were Richard Cloutier because usually in the morning <laughs> meeting that I'm on... That's what happens. So. Are we on the air right now? It's very private, this chat. Yeah, eh? What else private. can we bring up that's private? Well, the best part, too, was so once you figured out how to mute your microphone, the, you un... You you unlocked your camera while you were walking, so we got it. We got this great view of of Greg's feet going back and forth, and the occasional shot of whiskey. So that was fun. The the modern perils of meetings. Uh, Dolphin Dave says while downhill skiing with my family, top of the chairlift, there are pylons on either side while getting off the chair. My ten year old daughter stumbled while getting off the chairlift, and I quickly deked through the pylons so I wouldn't run her over. Well, the lifty, who was clearly watching, I've never heard it, but I love it. The lifty, who was clearly watching all this go down, yelled at me to not ski through the pylons. I was tempted to take out all the pylons on my next (laughs) ascent, but decided to enjoy my family day instead. There wasn't even a sign telling people to stay between the navigational beacons. So. It's well-crafted text message, Dolphin Dave. Well done. Is, these rules are making me think of, we, sh- we could have a whole show on this, on airline rules. And while I look forward to traveling again, like the rules around carry-ons and how big they can be, I've been thinking about buying one of those metal things, you know, that they have at the start of the lines that say, if your suitcase can't fit in here, it's not a carry-on. And mm-hmm. then you watch people get on the plane with their giant size <laughs> carry-ons. Yep. I feel like I want to make my carry-on, that metal thing, 
and I'm going to force everybody to try to shove their bag in it before they get on the plane. <laughs> I know that doesn't fit in there. Come on over. <laughs> you have nine duffel bags. Nine carry-ons. Let's go. Can they all fit in here? Nope. You're out. Install some sort of siren on that. Uh, No, I'm calling you on that like you do in Scrabble. No, I'm going to challenge that word. I'm challenging that carry-on piece (laughs) of luggage. I don't think it's within the restricted size. If it fits in my little contraption here, you can stay on the plane. I will get off. If you try and put it in and it doesn't fit, how about this? You get off the plane and I get to stay. That's going to be my carry-on is going to be the carry-on thing. I like it a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so, what are you going to check your bag? Like you, you're, so instead of just bringing one possibly one bag that's carry on, you'll check your bag, and then the carry on bag will be the contraption. Well, I'm allowed a purse, a laptop, a dog bag, and like a side thing of food. So I'll bring those, and then I will bring that metal thing to test people's carry ons. Oh, okay. I like it, and I, I, I would. <laughs> Uh, that that would I'm just picturing it now, and you chasing people off of the plane is uh, bringing me joy. But Candace sent us the winning text. Candace says, "You know the rule when you're slated for surgery that you can't eat or drink after midnight." I had some minor surgery scheduled for later in the afternoon and thought it was stupid that I couldn't have anything after midnight the day before. It made no sense. My logic being, hey, if you're scheduled for 6 a.m. and you can't eat or drink after midnight, then six hours before surgery should be the rule, right? So I decided the rule should be no eating or drinking six hours prior to surgery. Turns out I was right. The anesthesiologist agreed with me and said, as long as you don't eat or drink six hours prior to surgery, you will be fine. She honestly said, the rule is made for uh, certain people who can't follow anything simpler than don't eat or drink after midnight. Uh, Funny thing is, this led into another discussion about whether clear liquids would include vodka. (laughs) Shocking that it doesn't. (laughs) And Candace adds, two more sleeps. Go, Jets, go. Candace, congratulations. Great text. You win the Winnipeg Jets jersey. I like that very much. Can I confess something? I once ate a Fruit Loop three hours prior to surgery when I was about six years old at Children's Hospital. One Fruit Loop, you One renegade. Fruit loop. I, and I tell you, do you know how that's uh, 40, 40 something years later? I still remember doing that. I feel guilty about breaking that rule, but I, I just wanted to see, like, what's the worst thing that could possibly happen? And what happened? Nothing. They didn't it's cancel fine. your surgery? No, it was fine. Did you just say you still feel guilty for that? Well, I remembered it without any difficulty. It it, it came, popped into my head. I just felt feel bad that that was the rule, and I, I broke the rule. Shouldn't have done that. Should he still feel guilty, Loren? No. No. Although I do think those rules before tests you have to stick to. I've had tests come back where, you know, like if you don't adhere to the no caffeine Mm. Or in certain kind of foods, it really can it? alter your blood or your cholesterol or whatever levels. Because sometimes they'll come back and be like, "Can we do that one again? That doesn't seem right." And sure enough, it's not. Yeah, that's. I think that's happened to me too. Where they said, "Yeah, we we need you to go back and fast again because this didn't come out properly." So good point, Loren, and congratulations, Candice. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think. 
And hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG. That's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global. And on Instagram, at McNab on CJOB. Talk soon. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.